We're so glad you're joining us today. Just a quick note before we get started. You're listening to this episode on our public feed, which means you won't get to hear the whole thing. If you want to hear the entire episode, we invite you to go to yescollective.co and sign up for our daily wellness membership. You'll get access to our private members-only podcast feed where we have full episodes like this one, but tons more amazing emotional wellness content, including our therapist circles, on-the-go articles, parent-focused meditations, and special episodes you won't want to miss. So head on over to yescollective.co, become a supporting member, and we'll get you your own private podcast feed today. Welcome to the Yes Collective Therapist Circle, a monthly event we hold live in the app where we bring on our expert therapist to answer parents' mental health questions, talk about the mental health theme of the month, and give us some practical emotional fitness tools to bring into our daily lives. This week, we had on Nadia Torres-Eaton, a pediatric and adult clinical psychologist who works in private practice, blending conventional care with alternative approaches. She answered parents' questions about kids' conflicts at school, ADHD, teens sending revealing pictures on their phones, dealing with feelings of stuckness, and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax, and make yourself at home in the therapist circle. Oh, I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. We are so excited to have you on the Therapist Circle. Nadia, um, so you have been a part of what we've been doing with the Yes Collective and before when we used to be the Family Thrive. And so we're super thrilled to have you on. So what we do in these Therapist Circles is we collect parent questions throughout the previous week or two. We put it out to the network. We put it out to all of the members and we ask for what are your questions? And originally we thought that parents might want to come on live, but we're actually discovering uh, that there's some reticence around (laughs) coming on and just saying, Hey, I have this particular issue. (laughs) And so we get these messages. We're not going to put names to any of these, but we get to ask the question and then parents get to hear it uh, either in the app or on the private feed of the podcast. And so this will, yeah, so this will be going out uh, on our podcast as well. Oh, so Nadia, before I begin, I wanted to talk just a little bit about cycle breaking because it's the theme of the Mm -hmm. month for yes collective cycle breaking we've talked a lot about it this month we've had a lot of articles on it and so i just wanted to start by just asking you personally like what does cycle breaking mean for you and then i'll just love to explore that just personally and then what comes up for you around this term cycle breaking when you think about your clients and when you think about the people that you're helping? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a great topic and I was really excited to join in the conversation on the app about it. And lots of people had great ideas, like the things that they're working on. Um, So that's been fun to witness. I, when I think about cycle breaking, I always think about something that um, is a pattern and repetition in your family. It could be your family. It could be your culture. Mm. um, It could be health beliefs. Right. Like, um, so something that keeps getting perpetuated and is not 
in your best interest. And as the new, maybe the the newest generation or whatever, wherever you are in your generation, like you, you discover like, hey, this is a pattern that is not helpful. And I don't want to continue to do it, but I'm not quite sure what the new way to do things could be. Maybe there's some curiosity around that, right? I, I think it's that awareness that there's a pattern that has not been helpful for your for yourself and that you're afraid to perpetuate in your new family. Is there anything that you can share personally about how you came to a particular re- realization that there was a cycle that needed to be broken? What was that like for you? You could talk in just really sure. general terms, but... Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not a problem. Like, I mean, definitely um, in my family of origin, there was significantly more value placed on a male perspective mm. than a woman's perspective. So like, I, obviously, I, I maybe because of the Latin culture and um, the religious um, component to add to that. And I don't I don't I don't want to stereotype like all religious people are like that. I don't think that's true, but I think that Latin religious people have um a lot of misogynistic um views infused because it's inherent in the culture. Yeah. You know, so um so that was that was something that I remember noticing right away just as a kid. <laughs> like I I like laughed the year that I was reading about Freud and how he talked about you know girls possibly having penis envy and and I was like I'm like I 100% remember having that feeling but not because not because of the actual appendage but because it just seemed yeah. like they had so much more freedom. Yeah, and, like I want that freedom. I want the ability yes. to determine my own fate and you know make yes. make my decisions and <laughs> of course, of course. So I I remember just like noticing that that pattern and really struggling with um feeling comfortable speaking up talking. I mean, oh my gosh, Justin, like I, if somebody had told me when I was 15 years old, that one day I'd be on a podcast and that I'd be talking to you about my thoughts, that would be terrifying oh, to me because, wow. because it was just unheard of. It was just like, shut up, be quiet. <laughs> you know, you, you need to listen and um, to what is told to you. And there's no reason for you to have any opinions about things. And, but I've, you know, I had a mind, so I had lots of thoughts, lots of opinions. Wow. So can you tell me a little bit about, I'm imagining that there was a lot of discomfort as you broke these cycles and that it wasn't a simple breaking of the cycles, but it was a bunch of different steps. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, no, it was a series. And I, I mean, I I remember it starting in um, elementary school and having to do sometimes like current, you know, like the teacher would say like, please present a current event and you had to read something in the newspaper and then stand up and share it with the class. Like I would do it because I felt like it was like, I want the good grade and I want to do things correctly. (laughs) I want to do it. Yeah. But I like was like sweating almost, you know, wetting my pants (laughs) and like my voice is shaky the whole time. You know, just because I was so uncomfortable with speaking in public and having any attention directed at me. So, so that there was a series of things like that, like that, um, 
I tried to sometimes avoid, you know, longer presentations because it just like would hurt my stomach. Like I would have so much anxiety and I don't think it was exclusively just about public speaking. It was, it was, I don't have anything important to say. People don't want to listen to Mm. me, you know, because those were the messages that I grew up with, even though there was a part of me that was aware that that wasn't true. Yeah. It was hard to, it was hard to separate because your nervous system is so reactive. Yeah. So I'm hearing there, and I, I so identify with this, a part that is of course, fully enmeshed in the old patterns and the old cycles and wants to stay in those old patterns. And then there's a part that's like, no, we've got to grow. We've got to do this. And I so identify with that. And that, that really challenging uh, discomfort as you're growing out of this. And the, the quote that I love the most is an Anais Nin quote, something like, and I'm going to butcher it, but the 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 pain of remaining tight in the bud or wait no the pain of blossoming is less than the pain of remaining tight in the bud you know that like they're both gonna hurt but like remaining in that old pattern is just gonna hurt more and so i'm gonna move into this different type of hurt (laughs) yes but it, it but it was it was hard and you know i'm gonna skip over a bunch of stuff from like high school and public speaking and just challenges that I had. And I, I remember being in graduate school where I, I mean, it really is highlighted right in graduate school because you're, (laughs) I don't think you can get away with not public speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It would be weird (laughs) if you didn't speak. Right. And so, and I remember there was a, this moment I had to, we were doing comp, exams and they and right around the time that I was finishing um my psychology in general the the American Psych Association had done away with um or the the board of psychology had done away with the oral examination component to get a license and I was like oh thank gosh this is so great I don't have to do an oral examination but my program was like yeah, that's fine. You're not going to have to do that for the license, but we're not going to let you advance, you know, unless you do the oral comps here, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, fair, that's fine. And I remember we were practicing and I had this really great professor. She was really um, supportive, but very, like, very much psychodynamic, you know, style of um, therapy. And I'm, I was doing my my oral exam and at the end of it she said, Nadia, would you mind staying after class? And I was like, oh great. You know, so um everybody's gone. I stay with her and and she was so um it was such a powerful moment. And I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Justin, but like I am very um sensitive to like um other people's like really good intentions and energy. Like you can just feel it, you know, intensely. And she looked at me and she said, I don't know who told you that you don't have anything important to say, but I'm telling you that you do. You have a lot of important things to say. And she, and she said, and I hope that you believe it. And so, and it, and it was like this weird moment for me, like it, it, like all this thing that I, that I had been fighting, 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 like I'm trying to break free. 
like that was the moment like it stopped i was like i really felt like okay i can do this i i i have some information i may not have all the information i may not have every single detail that other people want to listen to but i don't have to hide anymore mm. you know mm. and so whatever that emotional thing was like it it broke and i continued wow. to challenge myself but without that fear anymore what a gift yeah there's like i what i'm what i'm feeling into is there's so much work that we can do on our own to break mm-hmm. cycles but then there are just these key moments of other people yes. coming along and are like i'm just going to help you just break this last little part here yes yes <laughs> yeah for like sure. we like we need other people we need other people in in this in this cycle breaking process yeah absolutely because you don't know sometimes you know when you're stuck in that in that journey, you, you can't see, right? Like you can't see how far you've come. Oh, you can't yeah. see, right? Like you can't see what, what progress you've made or where, where you're stuck. Like you're just, it just all feels the same because the mind can't tell oh. whether you're in this moment or 20 years ago. Oh, I love it. And there was a conversation in the app just uh, yesterday where a parent, a mom was reflecting, um, with her partner about cycle breaking in uh you know f- for their uh from their childhood and how yeah. far they've come and it just struck me it was like oh we need to take these moments as well to really honor and celebrate how far we've come and the cycles that we've already broken like this seems like to this seems to me to be a really important step in the journey is to honor yes. and celebrate that yeah Absolutely. That's a great idea. I like it. And it's true because I think like periodically, we also like maybe there are people we don't notice that that this is happening to us, but maybe we inadvertently um, hand some power to other people. And then there's there are these great people who are ethical and loving and kind. And they do give you that little bit of support to say, like, you have come so far. This is great. I'm so proud of you. And it's it's that corrective piece that you needed from that childhood, right? Oh, that- I love it. Yes. 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 Yeah. When, you know, for whatever reason, in whatever different context, we didn't have that supportive uh, mm-hmm parental attachment piece. Yeah. Oh, and then to get that in the right time at the in the right way is transformative. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, well, I, I feel like I, I, yeah, like so many other questions and, <laughs> and topics have now popped up, but I want to get to the, yes. get to the parent <laughs> questions. Oh, I love this. All right. So, so we are going to start off with a question from a parent we uh, didn't get to this question in the last therapist circle. And so we're going to start off with it this week. I want to make sure this parent gets their question answered. Sure. So they said, our teenage, our teenager tends to have issues with the same few people in school. How do we help her learn ways to not feel so hopeless against it? Should she kill them with kindness, <laughs> stick up for herself, say something back, what should they do? Yeah, this is a good one. And I, and I guess, so off the top of my head, what I would say is it depends. You know? So, 
<laughs> it's like the famous thing that psychologists say. Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on the kind of conflict that the teenager is having. So like, is it, is it conflict about um, mm. like social stratification? Mm. Sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, a teen, if they're, if they're, if they're teenage girls, for instance, like they have like their little stratification of like the queen bee basically and all the other people below and they keep trying to set that standard and say like, Hey, you stay down here. Remember that this is your place. And it's kind of the whole premise of that movie mean girls, you know, that's been been like 20 years now. Yeah. Um, But it's, but it's in that same context. And, and all I can say is if it's that type of conflict, then I would say um, the teenager has to decide whether they want to be part of that circle or not. You know, is, is it worth it to them? And mm. some teens might say it is because, you know, you want to be seen and you, it's important to be part of this social, larger social network and they don't want to be excluded. And if they cut them out, then it would be too uncomfortable. Or they may decide none of it is worth it. I don't need to be, uh, I need, I don't need to fit in with this particular crowd and excuse me, I'm okay with being on my own. Um, If it's, if it's conflict around boys or if it's conflict about academics, which sometimes there's competition around academics, um, then I think the teenager still has to decide, you know, to pick and choose a battle. Like what is, what are they, what is it that they want? I guess that's the first question. What do you, what do you want? Not that feels like such a powerful question, uh, you know, that there would be layers and layers Mm -hmm. that could really unravel there. Like, what do you really want? Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And yeah. And what, what is the, like, ideally, what is the ideal outcome that you that you perceive, right? Like that you think would, would be the best option for you. And then, and then see if it is a realistic um, goal and then determine what steps to take towards that. Right. And some, you know, again, because of um, just like the way teenagers are petty with each other or they tease each other. You know, I just had a teen yesterday tell me like, Oh, you know, some of my girlfriend's, have been calling me a hoe, they said. And I said, that's not very nice. And she said, I know. And it really hurt my feelings. I said, did you say something? No, I just smiled and laughed it off. And they said, why did you do that? And she said, because I didn't want to have a fight with them. And I I said, why would you have a fight when you, if you're just saying like, don't call me that. It doesn't have to lead, turn into a fight. You could just say like, I don't appreciate that. I don't need that. And so we ended up having to practice like how she would say that in session. Oh, yeah. So that she, she, and she said, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm just going to say, I don't like that. Don't call me that. I said, great. That's simple. So, cause ultimately her goal was, I just, I like my friends. I just don't want to be called names. So she called it bullying. And I said, is it bullying or teasing? Like what is, cause yeah. we're, you know, trying to differentiate between that. I think they were teasing her. She's had a few boyfriends, nothing serious, but I think they were jokingly saying like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're this because you've had so many boyfriends and they haven't, but it, it made her feel bad. Well, I can imagine that a deeper desire is to not cause social 
discomfort, social yeah. disruption, uh, right? Yeah, disruption. And that this is just an amazing learning experience of like, oh, right. So when does your personal integrity, you know, uh, uh, when is that worth more than social peace? And, and, and then, oh, like what a, what a powerful, what a powerful moment and what a powerful practice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she, she's, um, like this is ten, like a girl that tends to be really shy, which I think, you know, is probably why this parent is asking the, this question, because you have sometimes like shy kids that are afraid to like yeah. rock the boat a little bit. Right. right? right. <laughs> so you have to almost practice with them. Like, well, what would that look like? What would be that great outcome for you? How, how would you like them to treat you? And there are going to be some teams that will, they might never get over that discomfort because it's just so uncomfortable. Like um, in terms of on their own. And I've had, I've had those young ladies as well and young men. um, And they say things like, I'd rather just kind of slowly back away from the group. That's fine. That's a great, you can make that choice, but it might have other consequences too. Yeah. Because oh, you may absolutely. meet other people that bother you too. Like, what are you going to do Ooh, then? Right. I mean, the consequences <laughs> are that this is going to happen again. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah. slowly backing away from every group like this is going to leave you isolated and sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. you know, with a with a with a less full life than you life. would otherwise, you know, ha- have. And yeah. You know. Yeah. So like ultimately, so I guess the two questions that I would suggest to this parent would be to go back and say, you know, uh, what is, what is it that you want? What, what, what does that outcome look like? And what would you like to do? Mm. You know, cause we really want the teenager to make that decision on their own rather than feel like they're being pressured to do something that they're not ready to do, totally. but you want to build that, you know, build that strength and support and say like, I'm going to support you regardless of what you choose. But yeah. whatever choice you make has consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And then it might be that, hey, you know what? I'm not ready for this now. But now that I have seen what's happening, I know that there's something at stake here for me and my own integrity. And, you know, to, um, that then the next time it, it might feel like they're going to be a little bit closer to standing up saying That's right. um, what they need. One other thing that just popped into mind is is that I have several really wonderful people in my life who have now uh, that they're well into adulthood have learned that they are people pleasers. And yeah. so so th- they have a lifetime of doing some of this stuff, maybe not to an extreme, but a lot of like placating to make yeah. peace in groups and make peace with others. And that then when they're well into adulthood and they learn this and they're like, you know what, this isn't serving me, um, that the transition into standing in their truth and standing in um, integrity can be really abrupt at first of like, no, damn it. Like, like, and, yeah. and then it, and then it just kind of comes up like, Whoa, what's, what, what happened with yeah. that person? And that's fine. But what I'm just thinking about is how powerful it is to to start to practice this in yes. teenage or in you know adolescence and early yes. adulthood and then when you grow into adulthood it's like just an easy practice of like oh hey like that didn't feel right to me um or you know that that yeah you know yeah. whatever the 
cases, it's then so much easier to stand in your truth after you've been doing it for years. <laughs> yes, 100%. I think that's a good one. I, one thing I, I learned from my husband who is, you know, he's um, trained as, as an attorney. So argument and language is really good. <laughs> like he's very developed <laughs> that skill or in that skill, right? And so one thing that I learned from him though, very early on in our relationship was, you know, say what you want and let other people say no. Like, mm. just ask for what you want and let mm. them feel uncomfortable with having to say no to you. Like, you don't have to do that work for them. And that was, it was such a great way. Like, I don't have wow. to be mad. I don't have to be angry. I just like, this is what I want. Are you willing to give that to me or not? And I have, and now I get to make a decision whether I want to be a part of this or not if, based on your choice. And you know? I imagine the longer you've been doing that, the easier it's gotten. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. So the next question is a short one. I think there was uh, more behind this, but they just kind of wanted to get straight, straight to this question. <laughs> Can we talk about ADHD and kids? And what do you think about medicating kids for ADHD? Oh, that is a, that is a big <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends. I, again, it depends. Mm -hmm. So do I think that ADHD exists? Hey there, thanks for listening. To hear this entire episode, we invite you to become a daily wellness member at guestcollective.co. We'll send you your own private podcast feed to hear this and tons of other members only Yes Collective content.